Hi, welcome to the Dreamcatchers. We are sisters and business partners, Marissa Klein K and Jamie Klein Stozer. We know a little something about dreaming big. In our day jobs, we run the fashion and media division of our family staffing firm in New York City, Choice Associates. We have built a brand around helping others and good energy. Known in our personal and professional worlds as light workers, igniters, and most of all believers, Jamie and I are not only dreamers, but we are doers, and we hope our energy is contagious. On this podcast, we will be chatting to each other and to some of our favorite dream catchers, the people who inspire us not only about career, but about making magic wherever they go. On What's the Word, we will discuss a word, think community, balance, tenacity, etc., in hopes of motivating our audience to incorporate more of that into their lives. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe now and follow us on social media at Dreamcatchers23 for updates and episodes. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the Dreamcatchers. We're back in our original digs. I don't remember the last time we were at Shared Universe. No, I don't either. We're here with Ming. We've been live on the road for a while now. And it's comfortable back in our chairs with our headsets and our friend Michelle here. Um, and today we're doing a What's the Word, mm-hmm. which I'm very excited about. And I've been courting you um, passively for several months to get you on the podcast. And I'm very excited to be able to have you here, especially tis the season. Yeah, I'm very happy to be here. Um, we, we, typi- normally- we typically have our guests introduce themselves because we just feel that you'll be able to do that a little bit better than we can. Obviously, with most of our guests, we know you personally outside of here, um, but would love to hear you just introduce yourself to our audience and then we can get into a little bit more about what you do. Okay. Um, I am the founder of Faustini Wines. I'm a small production winery out of Napa Valley, California. Um, I started the brand in 2005 while working my day job in corporate IT. And I've been able to kind of pull the plug on a corporate day job about three years ago today, in fact. No way. Stop Um, it. Yeah, three years ago today. Stop it. That's so funny, the timing. Um, To focus on the winery full time. So I just got chills, and chills means truth. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. What a day to choose to do this. I realized it this morning on the way here. I'm like, oh my gosh. It was three years ago today. See, even perfect. Yeah, you were like, perfect. peace, working world. Yeah. Um, and now, now you have such a restful day to day, don't you? You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a different it's a different, it's a different kind of, of hustle. It's yeah. a different type of chaos. Yeah. Sure. I don't know if I knew that you started in 2005. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I well, we're gonna we're gonna unpack that as Marissa. Yeah, that's my favorite. All right, let's do it. It's my um. So as as Marissa highlighted briefly, we. Um, this is called What's the Word? And usually that entails some sort of word that we choose in advance when Mm -hmm. we know our guests and we're trying to figure out what really encapsulates who you are and what you're bringing to our podcast and what you bring to your day. And we chose passion for you because we felt like for somebody to do that while they're working so many years of doing it while you're doing something else, you got to have passion for something that Mm -hmm. you're trying to do. And obviously Mm -hmm. you had some sort of, and you'll go into it, why you decided to do this. Um, But we like to start from the beginning on our podcast because we like to figure out, you know, why people do what they do. I also want to insert something a little bit. I actually know you for the last, I've been here for, I've lived in the area for three and a half years Mm -hmm. and you were probably one of the first families that I met um, indirectly or directly through our friends, the Waynes, yeah. because the Waynes, Stacy was my realtor. That's how I managed to get Same. here. Um, and 
I think that the word passion, if I were, I was sitting there, I'm like, what word could we give Michelle? What word could we give Michelle? And I'm like, wow, it's wise. It's this. But regardless of your business, you and your partner in crime, Anthony, you embody that. You're so vital, right? Like you come into a room, it's fun. I mean, I mean, I think so. Um, you know, and I know you wish I have wine in hand. Yes, you're always wine in hand, which is something Dave and I have always enjoyed. You, you're certainly a heavy pour, which is also something I, I love enjoy a heavy pour. on and off air. Um, and I just felt like it suited you personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what I've discovered in my journey professionally is who you are. And people talk about this now in the world in the in the world that we're living in that you know we have to be our most authentic selves at work and it's funny because i've been doing that my whole life just didn't realize that was something that we were going to talk about out loud Mm -hmm. and i feel you being passion filled or passionate as a person translates into your professional life organically because it is your most authentic self right right. um anyways so that's all i was just going to say i feel like you're a very passionate person with or without the business Yeah, so I think it it encapsulates you for sure. Um, So let's start from the beginning. This is our favorite question. What did you want to be when you grew up? I always knew that I would be working for myself. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't know what industry it was going to be in. I didn't know where I was going to be living. But I knew that I was going to be able to get my hair cut at any point in the time, day during that I wanted to. Yeah, like, okay. Th- th- that's, like, I just knew, and I, I just, and this is like even in grade school, I just knew that I was going to be doing something on my own. Mm-hmm. So when I, when people often ask me, like, how did you get into the wine business? And it wasn't so much about the wine business as it was having my own business and finding that right niche of, bringing together things that I became to value in my 30s versus what I valued when I was 18 and finding that sweet spot is what took me time. Um, so it wasn't about being an entrepreneur. It was about finding the right thing that could make me most successful that I felt most passionate about. I sure. love that. And you're not from here. Rhode Island. That's right. Oops. There's Rhode a Island. lot of Rhode Island down I here, by the way. Fellow. I know. Every time I see a Rhode Island plate, I'm like, I must know that person. It's so funny. There's like six people that live in Rhode no, Island. Exactly. There's several in Fairhaven. Like, Brian, like, a lot of our friends are from Rhode Island. Like, I know, like, six people off the top of my head that are from Rhode Island that, like, came to New Jersey. And I actually think that there's a nice, like, it's a very similar kind. And that doesn't mean DJ Pauly D. But I <laughs> do believe that New Jersey and Rhode Island are similar. And so it's not that yes. weird to me that there's Rhode Island people here. Um, anyway, okay. Um, so Marissa and I always talk about that, like, you could be, you want to be 20 things. But do you, besides wanting to work for yourself, like, did you have, like, a childhood dream of something you wanted to do? It was just owning my own business. Owning your own business. Yeah, I, I, love I didn't fantasize about... And you wanted to be the boss. I didn't fantasize about a particular thing. It was just more you about... You wanted to be in charge and of your day, of your schedule. And building something. It building was something. building something. You know, I always have... I have these memories. Like, I knew I wanted to be a newscaster. I knew I wanted to be an author. But I actually was a child that played... This is lame, but I played business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There was like a... 
a magazine. Remember Toys, Toys to, to Grow, grow on? on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my parents got me like a like Dad and I a were just talking about it this week when he was watching Elliot open his birthday gifts and it was like Pop the Pig and like all these things mm. that teach them nothing except for don't overstuff the pig or else or it'll like... Laugh. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> like it'll be like the, the, the pants burst open. And my dad's like, didn't I used to get you something from this magazine? And Marissa had this office yeah, set I would that come then obviously became mine. And I would start businesses and write notes and use my cash box and all this different stuff. And that was really, actually, the business I started was like a, was like WebMD. Mm-hmm. They stole it from me, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like referring doctors or some, I don't even know. Um, who knows? I mean, why would, a, you know, like, why would a fourth grader be thinking about that? I don't know. But that's what I was thinking. So I understand what you mean. Like, yeah. you just wanted to be doing your own thing. Yes. Now, were you raised by people that worked for themselves? Not at all. Not at all. My mom is like a long-term like worked in banking and in real estate her entire life with the same company. So there wow. you go. Yeah. And it's funny when I look back on that, my mother's work ethic provided so much for me, but also that grind. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I could do that. Yeah. yeah. Seeing it, you know, but it's so much a part of your fabric. Like when you were growing up that you saw that, that that's probably subconsciously why you wanted to work for yourself. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I need to do my own thing. And Finding that tipping point took me some time. Sure. Um, and it also took me time to be able to do something. Listen, we all have to make money, right? You know, at the end of the day, as much as you want to be an entrepreneur, you still have to pay your rent and you still have to pay your insurance and all those things. You so, do? Yeah, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. Um, so finding a job like out of college was something I knew I needed to do because I didn't have that thing yet. Sure. You know, I would sell real estate on the side. I'd manage departments. Like, I always did something also. Now that I'm thinking about it, that was also kind of independent. Yeah. Like, so I was, like, I had my real estate license at 18. And yep. I was selling real estate um, for a contract. Like, he would build the houses and I work, would work with him. God, I, that just triggered just now that I've always kind of been doing like something. Like a hustler. Always doing, yeah, doing yeah. something on my own. Um, and then working in a corporate job, which provided amazing relationships, um, amazing infrastructure from a mindset of how to get things done, learning how to operationalize things. Um, so I, that was a true gift that I had in those 20 some years that I worked in high tech. Um, but I knew it was not something that I was going to be able to do for the rest of my what life. What was your first job? My first job. Like for, I'm going to guess you were working from a young age if you were already selling real estate at 18. I fudged my working papers and I went, I guess I was 13 and I was like working at like a local clothing store. Like, you know, huh? yeah. Were you a good folder? I am the best folder. Are you In really? Fact, I still love to do laundry. I am like, <laughs> it's like, it's like origami. Yeah, it is. It is. There's a, there's a woman for that now. Yeah. I forget her name. Condo. Oh, yeah. Cause I can't, I can't fold. I could so use that. Your first job was. In retail. So retail. you obviously yeah, were doing your sales. I worked at the Gap. Gap, which you have to be a very good folder. And then yeah. you use the board. The I know board, the whole yeah. thing. Um, I did not work there, but my best friend in high school did. Um, Phoenix sweater. Yeah, totally. Um, what Did you have an, any internships during college? Um, I, in Internships actually in high school. Interesting. And in like freshman stuff when you were in college, yes. Um, I always like I went to college thinking I was going to go to law school. Where did you go to school? University of Rhode Island. Okay. And 
about two years into it, I was in, into college. I was like, I don't think the law is for me because I spent a lot of time um, volunteer um, internships at the public defender's office, yeah. and I was like, nah, I don't think this is for me. For me, sure. Also, passion. Yes. yes. Trying to figure out what your passion yeah. was. Yeah. Got it. Amazing. Okay, so when you first got out of school, how did you trip into what you were doing? Getting out of school is when the internet was beginning. Sure. So yep. it was an explosive time in the market, an exciting time in the market. Like the stock market was doing great. Real estate was great. Like every element of like the economy was really booming and companies were hiring left and right. And I moved to New Hampshire. They had a college like um, sales training mm-hmm. um, called Cabletron Systems. I remember selling all of my savings bonds that I had accumulated from mm-hmm. being a little girl. And uh, I rented an apartment and moved to New Hampshire. And I literally would make like two to three phone, two to three hundred phone calls a day, cold calling, trying to set up appointments for like an outside sales rep. Wow. And then, so that, and well, you how, tapped into what your made sales you want skill? to go to New Hampshire? It was a, where your friends it was were a job. It? I was making $7.17 an hour. I recently found my offer letter. $7.17 an hour. And I was happy to have it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Dreamy. Yeah. And then from there. I think we just spent that at Rook and Duncan. <laughs> yeah, no definitely did. I said I'd spent it alone. No at kidding. Rook. So, and then, so you, when did you end up getting into where you were for the majority of your career, which was Cisco, correct? Yeah. Okay. And I, I knew long? I had to, I knew I had to get out of New England. I knew I had to get it to New York. Yep. So, um, I'm sure you had friends from URI that were in New York. Uh, actually, I didn't at that time. Really? I didn't. Um, now I've reconnected with many of them, you yeah. know, um, but I just knew that I needed to get to, to Manhattan in order to make something more of what I thought I was going to be able to do in the New England area. Um, so, um, I got a job with IBM mm-hmm. and totally in a job that I was over my skis on. But I was like, I'll fake it till I make it. And I did. And I was there for a few years. Then I went to Cisco Systems and I was there for 18. Wow. Give me, give us a, like a few titles. Like you started at IBM as what, what? were you doing? Um, God, what was my title? I want to say it was just like an account manager. And then I became a client exec where I handled like one so, large account. Like so business always business business sales. Sales. Business always, to business sales. Always. Always. So sales. client relationship, business yes. development. Mm-hmm. Um, my entire career in Your some entire capacity. Career. Yes, always in sales. Got it. Starting at the gap. So then, <laughs> starting at the gap. <laughs> so obviously, our question typically is like, are you still doing what you set out to do? Obviously, you're not set. You're not doing that, but you're still obviously doing a lot of sales. So when did you have your aha moment? When were you, I know you said that you had your 2000, you started this in 2005. Do you remember the moment where yes, you were it like- it must have been your like, 100th client yes. dinner. Um, so, so- Yes. This is exciting. I'm excited. Yes. So I was a wine collector. My husband, who was just my boyfriend at the time, was a wine collector. He liked California. I loved Italian wines. And we would get up. Go ahead. I'm sorry. This is important. Do you feel like that came from your work experience? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because because I'm going to guess that the girl from Rhode Island wasn't drinking a ton of wine at the time. Wine. So it was like purple passion. How do you yeah, know like, if they sell it anymore? Right. Like, so how did you get into and, wine? In, in fact, the first I never place? really even drank um, until I was working in corporate America, and I handled Schmoozing like clients. a lot of Wall Street accounts. And it was about it was not about the meeting during the day. It was all about the dinner and the wine that night. Sure. And, and every time we'd sit down, like the client would take the wine list, and 
I would always kind of find it entertaining. I'm like, it's so funny. I'm picking up the check and he's ordering the wine. You know? Right, right, right. <laughs> um, and guy would always order a thousand dollar bottle of wine every single time. And I would say anybody can. And people would say that guy knows so much about wine. I'm like, any idiot can order a thousand dollar bottle of wine and have sure. it be a good bottle of wine. You know? Right, right, right. Sure. It's so such a but, hashtag Manhattan situation. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I'm going to order a bottle of a thousand dollar wine. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, just and, to and, prove my point. And for anyone to tell me what a good selection I made. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I, I became more interested in wine as a result of, you know, seeing this dynamic and seeing how important, quite honestly. Dare I say, it was a coping mechanism for how to get through dinners. <laughs> You're totally. Like, what wine is he going to do? Why? How am I going to yeah. bury this one? Yeah. Um, but really, the the key takeaway, though, was really about how the experience brought people together and got things to happen. Sure. And I can go back and think about all of the wines that were ordered and some of the best ones and how really the, the wine became a pivotal point of conversation. Yeah. It became um, kind of the driver of what we ate. You know, we would talk about it the next morning. How good was that wine the next day? You know, like I realized like wine was really kind of important, which is not, it's not how I grew up at all. Like we weren't a family of like alcohol consumers. So sure. it's not as if like it was something that was part of my daily life. So my husband and I, well, then boyfriend, big wine collectors, we'd get up on a Saturday morning and say, you know, what do we want to drink tonight? And we would put together the perfect menu for that one bottle of wine. And that's when one bottle would do the trick. But, you know, these are different times now. <laughs> yeah. um, and we would curate the best possible meal to go with that bottle of wine. And one particular night, our company, because we were both employees of Cisco, said that this average Cisco employee generated, it was like well over a million bucks of profit per year per employee. And I was like, I want to generate a million bucks of profit for myself. You know, yeah. and we kind of like laughed about it. I'm like, what's it going to be? I can make it happen. It can't be a widget. I can sell anything. What is it going to be? And we just kept like spitballing ideas. And I'm like, Aunt, what do you love? He's like, what do you love? And we're both like, we love wine. We're like, could we do this? Mm -hmm. Could we really do this? And my husband was like, are you crazy? Do you know what it takes? I'm like, it's one bottle at a time, honey. That's it. Let's not think about 30,000 cases, one bottle at a time. And very, so that was on a Saturday. On Monday morning, Anthony flew out to California. And it was like Fortune or Forbes magazine. There was an article about a company in San Francisco that built a world-class winery. And it was allowing other people to come in and use their equipment to make wine. Well, like, let's took a picture of it, sent it to me. I'm like, oh, my God, this is something we can really Divine do. Divine intervention. Mm -hmm. And we were 25 cases the first year. We knew nothing about wine, like wine production. We knew how to buy it and drink it, but we didn't know anything about wine production. We didn't know how to source fruit. We didn't know, you know, different types of barrels. Like, there was so, like, so much. So much. Here I am more than a decade into it, and I am still learning every single day. I am still you know, digging deeper and deeper every single day. So 10 years earlier, we were truly at ground zero. So 25 cases turned into 50 cases. And then we moved into a legit winery in Napa Valley. Then I was negotiating all of my own contracts for with individual growers. And the business was really great. But also our careers were also skyrocketing because mm -hmm. we were at like that earning potential like in yeah. your in your 30s where you're kind of like figuring out your swim lane at work too mm -hmm. 
so we always said, you know, when somebody leaves, as soon as we replace one income, somebody will leave. But then the primary income was going up. And we're right. like, it was hard to, what are we going to do? And then I was like, I'm done. It was one day I was in the 10th conference call of the day. My husband was in London and I just got up and I quit. I'm like, I'm done. And my boss was like, I know it's been a long day. I'm like, no, like, I'm done. <laughs> no, like, I'm no, actually that's done. it. That was my finale. <laughs> he was like, well, what do you mean? And like, I made the decision like 15 minutes before I told him. Like, I just, I was like, if I don't do this now, when am I going to do it? Like, I'm always going to be chasing this thing. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I've got this legacy business that I've worked so hard at building. And it was at a tipping point where it was and like, how many years into you're the business in, was this? Um, we're in 2019. I quit in 2016. Right. Three so, years ago today. Three years ago three today. Years, three years ago today, you were done. Exactly. So you did this for over a decade. Over a decade. While working. While working. Wow. Oh, by the way, and also becoming a parent. Oh, eight, yeah. And eight rounds of IVF in between. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, it, I didn't even think about it, though. Like, people would always say, how did you find the time? And my response has always been, if it's important, you find the time. Sure. That's what it boils down to. If it's truly important to you, you figure out how to make it work. Yeah. Which is why I don't exercise. It's not important to me. (laughs) Drinking wine is more important to you. Yeah, totally. It helps that you're like a pixie. (laughs) Yeah, like, yeah. I'm I'm allowed to say that. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, you're drinking your Dunkin', you're curating your meals, you're drinking 16 (laughs) bottles of wine, and you look like this. Fine. That's all right. All right. I like you. So to go back for a minute, because obviously, as we mentioned at the beginning, that passion is what we chose for you. What does the word passion mean for you? So as you've decided to do this and you realized how passionate you were about wine and about wanting to work for yourself, like define that for us. Like, what did that look like for you when you were like, screw it, I'm just going to quit? Like, was it just because you finally were done or was it because you did 10 conference calls six days before Christmas. Yeah, and you were just kind <laughs> of like... the same topic. Yeah, yeah. and you yeah. were like just done and wanted to work for something that you were passionate about or was it... Did it come on gradually or like you said, <clears throat> 15 minutes before you quit, you are just like, screw it, I need to be passionate about something, I, I got to get out of here. I am most passionate about my being as successful as I possibly can be. Yeah. The wine is a symptom of like... An extension of that. It wasn't about this is going to be about wine. I found something I loved, obviously, that I know I could be able to execute in the most amazing way to do. But you have to be really committed about being successful to begin with. Sure. Because when you build your own brand and and it takes a long time in the wine business from from vineyard to when it's when you pop the cork, it's almost four years. Wow. So it is chipping away at granite. You have to really patience. Be, you have to be so committed with your success because otherwise it's it is a long game, particularly mm-hmm. in that industry. It's a super long game. And if you don't have the resiliency to believe in yourself and know you can get, do it. And sometimes I'm like, oh my God, what have I got myself into? Because cash flow is a serious issue in this in the business because it takes so long. Like again, almost four years. That you have to be such a believer in your own capabilities and your desire to be successful that it doesn't really matter. All of the hiccups, um, issues, bad decisions, and I made plenty of them, and and I'm grateful for them because they were experiences to allow me to learn that I'll never make that <laughs> mistake again. Sure, um, But it's really about 
yourself. I think it's about the individual and knowing that that's what you want to do. So you kept you keep your you keep your faith. You're, you're very narrow and your I mean, big in your thought, but narrow in your focus and the fact that you want to stay in your lane and, and, and are zeroed in on your success, no mm-hmm. matter how long it takes you to mm-hmm. get there. And it's a marathon, not a sprint. Agreed. At the at the risk of abusing an analogy that's used a lot. But, yeah. you know, I think about you and in the few years that I know you, um, if you left your job three years Sounds ago, like what happened while we were. Yes, here. it's basically a lifetime of, of me knowing you. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I know that while you had a small child at home and your husband and you both had these high profile positions, you also had a couple of um, retail locations mm-hmm. um, that I actually was not able to get to the first one because it, t- the timing of it, yeah. I don't think I. Where was the first one? On, Red Bank. In Red Bank. Red Bank. Yep. Um, and then you moved it to Long Branch or mm-hmm. got it. Yep. That was a pop up for the season. And that was I, there I did get to go to that. I did. Went, um, I went to that as well. And you had the two retail locations. And then also there has been and the, and this is such a, a horrible thing, but there was a, a huge fire. And I don't know. And, and all of I mean, I mm-hmm. believe you were OK, yeah. but you can't foresee a huge fire. There were fires. Like fires, it was yes. a major catastrophe out in the Napa and Sonoma area, right? Mm-hmm. So while you're so driven and so focused, that doesn't mean there aren't other things happening that could easily take you off your plan. So tell us, actually, that's a great segue. So tell us kind of a little bit more about the brand right now. So obviously, you know, we know that you're a wholesaler <laughs> and that you, um, have a wineries and I'm a, I'm a producer producer okay so tell us a little bit more about how that works and you know why you went into the retail or came out of the retail space mm-hmm. give us a little bit of background about Faustini now okay so as I said we were 25 cases in 2005 which is really like 2008 2009 before a product got released I am and I've got three different brands now I've got Faustini which is our luxury brand higher end boutique mm-hmm. handcrafted small lots so anywhere between 220 to you know 300 cases of wine in a particular skew then i've got playdate wines which is oh i like that mm-hmm. i think you guys yes, we've, we've had, had that. that before um that is kind of like a, a different price point but um higher volume and more of like a weekday wine mm-hmm. and then velvet and vinyl is my sparkling portfolio i like that too I have something in my fridge that Dave and I are like waiting for like the occasion. Yeah. Yeah. Every day. Every day is the occasion. Yes, it's true. And so where is your stuff found? Like, where do you sell to? Direct to consumer. Mm -hmm. I love it. You know, and and that's an important part of branding. And it's it's funny because when I first started doing this, I'm like, I can sell anything. I I can go and do it. And I was going to individual accounts and getting my wines in the wine list because it was all about wine list you know when you when you think about brand building then this genesis of instagram yeah. came into play and it just changed everybody's view on wine consumption marketing Anything. endorsement you know it is you know it's a become you know some a bit saturated as far as sure. what you know who's being paid to be said something versus who's truly PR. a lover of the brand yeah. um but it's completely changed how we address um, outbound marketing. Sure. So and do you have a team underneath you? Is I've got national brand managers that go out and, uh, and work with placing my wines throughout the country in restaurant lists. Amazing. Yeah. So from a business strategy, mm-hmm. and this is just out of pure curiosity, yes. yeah. the goal 
when you're building a, a brand, mm-hmm. or at least your goal, was to build a brand that was cultivated in restaurants. And then the person would, if the person fell in love with it, they would follow up by ordering directly from you. Correct. And skipping the whole, um, I got to pop it over to the liquor store on the way to dinner and grab this. So there is a big difference between building a brand and building a brand to last. Mm-hmm. Two very different things. And that is particularly important when it comes to the wine business, because there's uh, there's been a shift in wine consumption where higher end brands are working directly with the consumer because we need to maintain our value. Mm-hmm. Now, the average retailer doesn't want to, nor are they really skilled on average, not, you know, obviously it's not the rule. Um, right, there are some to, that to are better manage than others. High-end, to manage high-end brands. They're, the average bottle of wine sells for like $13.86. That is the average selling price of a bottle yeah. of wine. So when you go into your regular local wine shop, you'll find the majority of the SKUs are sub-20. bucks. Mm-hmm. It is high-volume, low-margin. And once we distribute, if we chose to do that to a retailer, we have no control over what they ultimately sell that for. So you'd really, ideal in back now, in the days- did you trip and fall to figure that out? Or did you kind of know that going in, that you wanted to do it this way? Um, before I was in the wine business, I had the experience. Sure. And I thought to myself, I will never let that happen to my brand. Yep. A good example, I went to a, re- a retailer. This is before we're in the, in the business. Again, collectors. I picked up a beautiful Cabernet. It was like $85 a bottle. That night we opened it. It was awesome. We're like, we love this wine. But three weeks later, I went to a a retailer in Springfield, New Jersey. The same bottle of wine was $47. And it ruined my experience. Mm -hmm. It it took my $85 experience. And it, I feel like it kind of dummied it down on me. Mm -hmm. And it, I was like, oh, my God, that that brand now. Because you You were because you were savvy enough to know to figure that out because you were empathizing with the owner, knowing that they weren't getting the cost back or because you now didn't feel the luxury because you knew it was 47. Exactly. So interesting. So I grew up in the fashion business Mm -hmm. and what I'm hearing um, is luxury versus regular Mm -hmm. clothes. Right. Mm -hmm. Or fat. I mean, the word is fast fashion, but. Luxury or luxury retail, you know, they they would put out but ten they would items. Make, but they would also make it with really, really high quality leather materials. materials. Yeah. So yes. that's a big like the piece true to it. luxury business, not the luxury we see in a magazine. But like actual, the people that were the couture designers, the people that really, really wanted it was art, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and anything else was diffused. Mm-hmm. Right. right now, right. granted, we're all guilty of wearing a lot of diffused items. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I'm walking into. Chanel and getting my jacket tailored for me just because it's not my lifestyle. Yeah. But in my professional experience, the amount of damage that was done to a brand when they tried to figure out how to diffuse and make it more affordable for the masses Mm -hmm. hurt their brand overall. Mm -hmm. Every single example. Every single example. Mm -hmm. Now, I never have been privy or paid attention to the wine business that way, but it makes a ton of sense if you're thinking about it. If you keep the prestige of the luxury They'll have a customer for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what they've done, which is very interesting and cool, is that they then just created a different line, similar to fashion, that was a little bit of a different price point, 
That's designed for distribution. That's designed for distribution. And when so and if you're to- ready to do that, it would be that grouping that you would allow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now has have that has that been done for Playdate? Playdate, yeah. Interesting. See, yeah. so there you go. So, like for example, and it's about capturing yeah. a target audience too. It's about saying, you know, my average selling price, my Faustini is a hundred dollars a bottle. I start at seventy five for my reds, go up to one sixty five. But again, ninety five point wines, one hundred and forty cases, like super boutique. Then we have Playdate price points twenty five to forty five dollars a bottle, and you need to have that. Uh, the consumer that's buying in that price point, when they, they become more educated on wine and now they're familiar with wine, then we can bring them up into the the Faustini uh, area. Yeah. It is so interesting. I mean, how many times I've been to Napa for several mm. fun occasions. And, and and when you're in Napa, you like get in it for a little bit. You're like paying attention or yeah. if you're inquisitive yeah. like me where I like start to pay attention. I'm, I'm like, like oh, I really smell the tannins. Yeah. Or, you know, and I'm, yeah, but no I mean, for the most part, we're, we're layman's. Like we're right. not. I'm like, this tastes good. I don't but know. when you actually... When you're a layman, right? And I mean, I think wine tasting or wine in general, it's not like you liked it when you're 15 or 18. It's like an acquired taste. Um, When you drink a glass of wine now, and because I'm more elevated in my years, so to speak, I've been (laughs) exposed to a really expensive glass of wine now. Mm -hmm. And I've tasted it and I've said, oh, Oh, now I get it. Now I get it. Although I do have a funny story that when I was on my honeymoon, when I got to... We were in South Africa, and at the tail end of my honeymoon, we went to Mauritius, which is an island off the coast of South Africa, and Marissa had actually so generously organized a private dinner for me on the beach when Mm -hmm. I got to Mauritius. That was my, like, honeymoon gift. We get there. We are dead tired. We had been flying all day. We had no interest in this dinner that night, but they had set it up on the beach. This was the beginning of the end of us liking this place, but that was the whole (laughs) other conversation for a different podcast. Beautiful hotel, but like just so the miscommunication was next level. So we get out to the beach for this dinner and we sit and we're so tired. We have no idea what's happening. We're out on like this beautiful. You'd think that like this was like the like literal highlight of my vacation and it was probably the lowest point. Glad I paid for it. Right. We (laughs) were dead tired, but we we ended up having a great time. That being said, they come over with the wine list. It's in rubies, which is like. Isn't that what it's called? Rubies? Something in African. I forget what it is. Like a rupee. Rupee with a P. And we don't know what the translation. Like we don't know the, mm-hmm. the what's it called? Conversion. Here I am. How, how am I doing with my English? Okay. Conversion. So we sit down. We're like, I don't know. This looks good. Dave orders a bottle of wine. It comes to Pretty the table. Sure it's Indian. What? I feel like rupees are Indian. No, rupees is South, like in the Indian Ocean, okay. which is where we were. Okay. In Mauritius. And so how much is the bottle of wine? Wait, so, <laughs> wait, this is amazing. So this is the best part. So we drink the bottle. We're like, it's good. Like, we don't know what's going on. We're like just getting drunk and tired and we're sitting at the ocean and we're like on this high of our honeymoon. We get the bill and Dave like almost falls off his chair. And he's like, our bill, and Marissa had paid for part of it, was like $1,500 oh my God. for dinner. Okay. It's like, what just happened? And we like can't rewind. We're like, was that wine good? We don't even remember. Oh. And the wine was the problem. Apparently, they like duped us into this crazy bottle. Right. So my, our funny story is that we have had very expensive wine before, but don't remember if it was good because we only found out it was expensive after. You're like, can you please send me a copy like, of my folio? We, yeah. Like, can we just like go back in time and try to figure out if we actually like that bottle of wine? Because it was like, obviously, it was also like yeah. crazy upcharge because we were in this like ridiculous island. 
Um, but that was like the best bottle we've ever had. But we have no recollection of whether or not it was good. Because I did. take my own wine with me when I travel. Right? Now. I was like, BYO. I'm like, there's got to be a way to fix it. I got it. my wine luggage. Yeah, I love that. Um, now, speaking of where in the area, is there any restaurants in this area that you're carried in? Oh, yes. Um, Buena Sera, Drift House, um, Catch 19, Butcher Block. Love Butcher Block. It's my um, new fave. Yeah. And. San Francisco. I'm in a bunch of restaurants. San Francisco, Illinois, Texas, Arizona. And we can find Florida. Can we find this on your website? Yeah, 100%. Love it. Okay. Yep. Okay. So obviously, this is super inspirational to us and to I'm sure, I'm sure our listeners. Um, what what keeps you inspired to keep doing this? Like, is there mm. you know, are you reading a lot? Are you talking to other winemakers? Mm. How do you find the inspiration and the passion to keep going in this business? It's obviously very saturated, as you said. There's so many wineries. There's so much wine. How do you stay inspired and ahead of the curve? You must really like grapes. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. Um, I did a series of wine dinners about three months ago, and I feel so invigorated when I do, the, do these wine dinners because it, it's like someone asking you to talk about your your child. Yeah. Do you yeah, know what sure. I mean? It's yeah. like, oh my God, she's singing, she's dancing, she's so pretty, she's this, she's so smart and compassionate. Like, that's how I feel when I speak about one of my wines. Why do you think we launched a podcast? Right. That's how we feel. Yeah. It's like, right. this is the kind of thing that just makes you so excited about yes. what it is that you're passionate about, which right. for us is career. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're here. So I love that. Like being able to be in an educational environment, talking right. to people that don't necessarily know what you're doing mm-hmm. and bringing but that knowledge been, to them. And when you the were doing those too, private dinners I'm, at Drift House? Yes. Yeah. And the reality is, like, I'm still learning every day sure. because all of what we do is dependent upon Mother Nature. So sure. we have to constantly be challenging ourselves, looking at different varietals, different, you know, what's happening with global warming. You know, what is where is the huck, puck going to be? Sure. Not where it is today. You know, what is the business going to look like if our daughter decides to take it over, is it still going to be in California? You know, if we're if the country's changing at one degree per year in 20 years, can we still grow Cabernet in, in Napa Valley? Do we have to be looking oh at gosh. different areas? So that's real. that's real. That is real stuff. And as much as there's a production element, there is a farming element. There is a, a, a packaging element. How do we, you know start bottling in different types of single surf uses or less um, less heavy glass what can we sustainability, do ha- sustainability sure. so it's not the, just the, about the, the wine single use guy i remember seeing him on the original guy i saw him on shark tank that was I yeah. forget the name of the it single now. use of, has come yeah. a long long way yeah i mean yeah. but i remember that was several years ago when he came up with that concept and i remember copa divino i think yes, it's yes. Called, yeah and i mean they flipped over it because one of the sharks uh, Kevin, Kevin. Yeah, he's in the wine business. Yeah, yeah, it was like a big thing. And he was like, it'll never, you know, he was negative, but then he was into it. Um, and I remember out of like all those storylines that really resonated because when I saw it in the stores, I was like, good for you. Yeah. 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 No, but with the single um, use wines and a dozen different form factors today, I'm working with a company out of France right now to do some interesting single servings. That's so I love so that. interesting. How often are you in California? Every season brings different frequency. Yeah. Um, so harvest is obviously one of the busiest times for me in the valley. So I'm typically there like every 10 days between August and now. Um, and now the wine's kind of doing what it needs to do. So now I'm focusing on packaging. 
So my next bottling will be in March. And now it's about, uh, do I have to reinvent my packaging? Do I want to look at different types of cork suppliers? And like, it's all that kind of stuff that kind of gets me ramped for that. Um, then March is busy. And then I start kind of planning for the harvest again. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a different cycle. Um, but, you know, between December, January, February, I don't really need to be out there much. No, you but just then get I to drink of, it. Well, yeah. yeah. Just yeah. Like, like the rest of it's us. It's time yeah. flies when you're having fun. It sounds to me like you're inspired by the actual process of it all. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, watching you talk, it's like. I it, love it. I mean, listen, I've. The expression turns you on, I've translated into dreamcatcher speak as mm-hmm. turns your light on or you're, it makes you ignite. When right. you speak about it, your eyes glow. I mean, you can't see that. Like you were listening. saying about talking about your child. It's right. like, yeah, it's to find something in your career, your life that brings your that turns your light on like that, that you actually feel like inspired every day to do. That's the goal yes. for all of us. That's yes. what we try to do all day. So I think that there's two elements to it. One, that's just kind of who I am. That's just, sure. you know, the way I've been engineered. But wine is also such a beautiful story that brings people together in good times and in bad times. And it is something that people share or re-gift, even if they don't like it, right, you know, right, so right. Yeah. It, it is something that I feel like has kind of become a fiber of our society. Sure. And there's not and very many things like it. Right. And there's, and it feels good to be part of people's tables. Like when people send me photos on Instagram, like tagging me and it's at their dinner table, nothing pleases me more than it's that. True. And I'm like, oh my God, I love to see that the Faustinas are having dinner with you tonight. Like, I love that. Yeah. It's nice. You know, and that's, that's what keeps me, that's what keeps me on the hook. I love it. Now, what, we have many mantras we we live by at the you know at choice our business and with the dream catchers which we could go into and we do each time usually but um it, our favorite lately or mine is say yes which is just kind of saying yes to new opportunity to we talk about it on the kind of granular level when you're getting an opportunity to go on an interview like Good just go choice, you know I, wow. I'm glad that you said that because like, I was do you have a mantra that you live by they, well it's funny that you say that because I was recently working a deal with someone and they were like you always say yes so I'm like the answer is always yes the answer is always yes by the way you the, did that with us yeah it was so like asked you a question you honored it yeah I don't know I by the way there's not that many people in my professional life and frankly in my personal life that I ask something of mm-hmm. because I'm not a big asker. Right, right. I'm a big giver mm-hmm. and it's not comfortable for me to ask. It's just not my natural suit. And I asked you something and you not only honored, you overdelivered, which I remember and I will think of highly forever because it really made an impact for me personally. Because it's like, how generous was that? What, for the streaking event? Yeah. Yeah, so as we probably mentioned on here, Marissa and I chair a streaking event, which is a um, get a pink streak in your hair for breast cancer in honor of our mother, who's a survivor. And we wanted a wine donation this year, which we've done in, you know, different ways each year. And we were like, let's just ask Michelle. Let's see if she'll do it. If she can't, she'll say no. And not only did you say yes, you gave us like a ton of wine. It was delicious. It was a huge hit for our event. And, you know, I'm more of an asker than Marissa in our partnership. But I even, you know, it's always difficult. And this is, we're both salespeople by nature, but it always is. It's like fundraising. It's hard to ask people you know personally for favors because you don't want there to be ickiness or like if somebody says no, they don't, you don't want them to feel bad. But it was 
awesome. And everyone loved the wine and it was a perfect addition to our event because it was pink and the whole thing. Um, Not to say that you had, had to say yes to every single person that asked you. I just want to clarify no, that for our was, listeners because that would, you would run out you'd run out of wine. But I mean, it really was I awesome. was happy that you let, uh, let us do it this time. So I was appreciative. But it was a tribute to your loud yes because it wasn't just a, it wasn't a whisper. Right. It was a right. loud yes. Like, right. I got you. Pick up cases yes. at my doorstep. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I I feel like, um, I hope that people view me as someone that if like either I'm, when I say I'm in, I'm in. And I think that carry that through all elements of my life, whether it's become a, being a friend, a partner, a businesswoman, any commitment I make, like when I say I'm in, I am in and I will do it to the best of my ability. I love that. Um, so always say yes. Sounds like mm-hmm. it might be your mantra. Do you have um, we're big on action words, which we're obviously coming up on um, the new year, which we, we hate to call it a resolution because it's really not, you know, I'm going to lose 15 pounds, like some sort of overarching gain, you know, uh, uh, Resolution, for lack of a better word, like what it is that you want to do for the year, but really setting an intention with an action word. Like what is your action word for 2020? So obviously passion is one of your action words. Marissa and I, to give you some inspiration, we talked about this last year. We still are working through what our action words are going to be for 2020. But for my 2019 word was patience, mm-hmm. to be more patient, mm-hmm. with, my, patient with my kids, um, which I think I've been much better at. I've obviously gone on several yoga retreats in order to be able to be patient and recenter. Um, Marissa's, I think, was clarity, mm-hmm. really trying to be clear and communicate clearly and think clearly. Um, struggle still real. It's it's difficult, and I you know, I might I might keep me. patience for 2020 because I might need to keep working on that. But do you have a an intention or a word that feels like you want to focus on it for 2020? A word, you know, I, I feel or a like concept. we live in a highly emotional and volatile society right now. Like I see it even with my daughter and like everyone's quick to respond, quick to respond sure. and kind of like and freak out. So one of the mantras we have at home is like, don't freak out, figure it out. Yep. And really making sure that we're harnessing all of the energy we can to, from a positive standpoint instead of wasting a, a single bit of energy on the the negativity of what you got you there mm-hmm. um so maybe um i don't know what would my mantra be for 2020 consume more wine <laughs> yeah drink drink up drink, just drink, drink up just bottoms drink. up just drink <laughs> i love it um and and kind of going with that we are big believers at the dream catchers that everyone has a superpower we touched mm-hmm. on yours a little bit where you're able to bring something we we talk about this often too when we're coaching candidates or, mm. or even clients of who you are in your group of friends. Uh, you touched on it a little bit where you were like, if I'm in on something, I'm all in. That's just who I am. It's in your nature. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel that you have a superpower that you bring personally, Michelle, to every single thing that you do inside work, outside work? And what what do you feel that is? I can get things done. Get get I, shit done. I get I shit like, done. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I, I'm, I happen to be a get shit done myself. <laughs> we all are. Um, I I'm love like that. I get shit without the T. <laughs> like I can get all the way. I can get three letters in and then like something happens. And then she gives it to me. And then to I'm do. like, help. She's like, Jamie, you do. You finish it. Uh, so is there anything that we should have before we get into some of the lighter questions, which we like to just wrap mm-hmm, up with? Mm-hmm. 
Is there anything that we should have asked and didn't ask? Like, is there anything you didn't get to touch on that you wanted to about your brand, about what you're doing that we didn't get to, to cover? You know, I think the brand's, you know, important part of it, but it's really about the genesis of getting me there, right? Yeah. So, so often I speak to young women who like, who kind of sh- struggling to kind of find their way a little bit. And I keep saying over and over again, we're always going to find reasons why things can't happen. Mm-hmm. We have to find more ways to get to yes and why things can happen. And life doesn't get easier as you get older. The opportunities don't get greater as you get older. Um, the opportunity is now in being able to make that decision. You know, even though preaching our language, girl. I, I mean, that's instant tears for me. I literally said on my last birthday, it's not going to it's not going to get easier and I'm not going to get younger. Right. Just so you right. might as well get, lean get into everything that now. you can do. Yeah. Yep. And be in it. Like embrace say every yes. opportunity. Yep. Just say yes. Just that's why say I drink yes. a lot. Thank God. Yeah. And, you know, and maybe and while answer, you're saying yes, just drink a bottle of wine and, and be OK. <laughs> you, you can say yes. And then as you're on that journey, be like, wow, I'm going to have to get to know on this one. But at least you have the three or four reasons as to. Why, why you had to get to know yeah. be like well it didn't make any sense it was you know it would have impacted something else that's more important for yes and that's okay you just have to be okay with putting yourself on that course i agree you know one of the things i work on personally and i talked about even thinking about maybe doing as my as my intention for 2020 is say yes but or say yes and, which we mm-hmm. talked about on one of our podcast episodes with our friend Rachel I do Rachel a lot Rothman. of, let me noodle on that one. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> like, like, yes. Let me noodle on it. Yeah, like, totally. <laughs> let me noodle on that. I love it. You know, and cause so often people say to me, because I do a lot of things. I have my hand in many areas. I have multiple hats, several jobs. Marissa, too. But myself, like, I'm over the top with PTA and this and, and Tootsie and Poe. I do all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. And people say to me, like, you got to learn to say no more. And often, like you, t- you take on too much. Like you got to say no. So you are though. And I'm like, I, you I still manage to read and watch 75 shows that the rest of us. And don't. my nose is running, but I really do <laughs> totally. And I really think I go to every birthday and get everyone a present and wrap it because it goes wrap. back to listen. It goes it back to you just, make time for the stuff that's important totally. to you. Totally. And I think one of the things I'm working on is like what it is that is important to me, but also that I still continue to say yes. That's okay mm-hmm. because it's who I am. I'm 39 years old in March. I know who I am. I will be. You know, I'm coming up on my last year, my 30s. I'm very ingrained in who I am. I am a say yeser. That's it. Mm-hmm. However, I can be better and we all can be better at say yes, but I can do that for you, but it's going to have to be on Friday because mm-hmm. I just can't do it tonight. That's I'm, okay. I need to be better at that. Like I'm bet I, I, I tend to like be like, I'm going to do it all tonight. And then it's like two in the morning and I'm like still doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're impulsive. That's why. Right. I'm more of an impulsive personality. And I think it comes back to obviously who you are as a person, but having that intention for 2020, I think is really important being clear. And I love, um, I love yours. And it's very much in line with what we always say, which is funny because we don't know that about our guests before they come on. And we always find, because Marissa and I share this, this intuition of who we ask to be on our podcast, you know, nine times out of 10 is literally like speaking words that might as well just be coming out of our mouths. The overarching is that your vibe attracts your tribe. Yes. Mm-hmm. And when so you true. meet mm-hmm. someone that's you cut just, from the cloth just, literally no. we are, you just feel it. You just right. know. Right. And you don't have to have the extra gifts that some of us have to 
to zoom in on that, you can feel when someone's cut from your cloth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, I think that that obviously we're not interviewing anyone here that's not a dream catcher. Right. Obviously. Right. You're so going to catch a dream. If you're asleep on your couch. <laughs> that's how you get the invite. Enjoy your time. Yeah, that's how you get yeah. the invite. That's the exclusive, you know, inside the no invite. So we like to we like to wrap our interviews each time with some more fun, just like questions sure. to kind of take an exhale. Um and I like to credit Carrie ba uh, Balog, who does the branding podcast that I talked about earlier, Brand Groupies, because at the end of our podcast with her, she asked us, if you were a rock song, what would you be? And we just like love that question. And I would love to do it myself, but we're not going to take hers. And we like to we came up with three, obviously, typical Jamie and Marissa. We went, oh, we need to ask a question. Well, let's ask three. Um, so we have three that we think are fun just mm -hmm. to end the, mm -hmm. the conversation. Um, so the first is what is your go to order? at your favorite hometown restaurant. Now, everybody interprets this differently. What you consider your, quote, hometown. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You, It's up to you. What you consider your, quote, hometown, what your favorite restaurant is there, and what your go-to order is there. Okay, favorite hometown restaurant is obviously where I grew up, which yep. is in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, favorite restaurant would be, like, nostalgic. Sure, yeah. Um, it's a place called Twin Oaks, and I would get the veal parmesan with the salad. There you go. See? In See? fact, I would get I the... I love the people that just have, like, the answer. Yeah. In She's fact, like... I get the children's portion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally, because it's really so huge. Um, if you could go anywhere in the world, mm. one, alone, two, with Anthony, or a partner, doesn't matter if it's mm -hmm. Anthony, a best friend. Um, actually, no, because the third one is your best friend. So, one, alone, two, with a partner and three with your best friend. And they where travel a lot, so or a group of girls or whatever. Where would you go? A uh, group of girls. I would go to Napa Valley. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, there I can go alone. Right. Um, but we love. I, I I'm a. I love European travel. Yeah. Um, I could go anywhere alone. By the way, like I'm good with that. Yep. Um, with with the girls, I'd love to go to Paris with the girls. Yeah. Mm. Um, I would love. To go back to Italy with Anthony. Yeah. You know, um, and what was the third one? Alone. Like, where would you go alone that you, it sounds like you go anywhere alone, but is there anywhere yeah. specifically that you've never been alone that you'd want to? Alone. One of our My friends. house. Um, exactly. I was just about to say, one of, my, one of our guests said, alone in my house, without anyone there. I did that yesterday. It was my amazing. My house would be good. Isn't that, does that sound like it's dreamy? So good. Yeah. I don't need to get to the airport for With, that. With like nothing to do. Yes. Just nothing. Just, no, I don't yeah. know how, I've been, uh, yesterday I was in my house alone, but it was not with nothing to do. But yeah, yeah no, me too. I was rapping all day. No, like I would I, love a day alone in my house, like pajamas and shows. Like mm -hmm. like that expression that the You the have to be sick have, like, to do that. Netflix and chill. Yes. Yeah, but anytime I've ever been sick, I can't watch TV because I'm too sick. <laughs> I need to just lay there and watch shows and I don't want to make you any food. Nope. Don't talk to me. Right. right. Like it's a do not enter zone. Anyway. It doesn't exist. What's your current, Jamie's obsessed with this question and what always has been. What's your favorite brand crush? Like what's the thing that's like your thing right now that you're obsessed with? Like anything you in particular? That you just bought a couple of away luggages as a gift. That was not English, but work with it. You know, maybe there's... Like, is there, like, something you're, like, super into right now? Like, like obsessed with, tell everyone about, megaphone? Like, for a long time, mine you was... said lambs and wolves oh, before. Oh, 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 um, packing cubes. Packing cubes? Oh, my God, that's so funny that I you am, said that. In fact... And you will tell spoiler everyone Spoiler alert, everyone's getting packing cubes for Christmas. <laughs> it's the best things ever. <laughs> Wait, any particular... There is a brand, I think it's called Pro Cube on Amazon. Yeah, for, like, $35. It, you get, like, a it, set of six. It has been... 
like life changing. changing. Wait, can you walk me through it? Like what really wait, makes a difference? Wait, I have to interject here. Tootsie, who, as I mentioned earlier, I I consult for her on the side, but she's like my all time guru with all things most of the time. Besides Marissa, I'll be like, what do I do about this? What do I do? Um, and she, I actually had to borrow her luggage when we were going to Tulum in October. And I just also used it when I went to Disney World because she let me like keep it. It was like the size I needed because I need to invest again in another piece of luggage. And as I'm literally going to take the, the bag from her house, she's like, take these two. And I'm like, what are they? She's like, they're the packing cubes. Just take them. And I'm like, I've seen you using these before. Like, what's happening? She's like, trust me. You put everything in, blah, blah, blah. And I'll let you go. So I ended up using them for Tulum and Disney. They're awesome. Game changer. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell us about them. So they are collapsible bags. They're Look, not. They're, they're they like, are on the screen. Exactly. Made of like nylon. They're. Wow. Um, Thanks, Meg. But. One bag can have your bathing suits. Another bag can have all your t-shirts. Another bag for your and you shorts. take the bag and you put it directly into the drawer in the right. hotel. Exactly. Don't have to unpack. Wait, stop. Hold yes. on. I like having no. By thing. the way, Marissa, to go back and you pack so much more. Wait, into I, I like to unpack right when I get there. I yes. can't do anything till so I unpack. So our grandma mm-hmm. Flo, who we talked about this morning, our she used to use Ziplocs. Everything was in a Ziploc. Yeah. She would have yeah. her underwear Similar in a Ziploc. Concept. Similar yeah. concept, but instead of being more sustainable, obviously one, but two. So you can't really take the air out of them. Is this but the one you buy. One on the top left. Um, pack. It's pro, pro cube. Pro cube. All I right. think. I think those are the ones that Tootsie has too, and they come in like a set of six, and they're like yeah. a different color. Mine were red. I need to get them. They're amazing. They're, they're really. Great. You're 100 percent right. All right, I'm gonna write them even, on my even list. Even my husband was like, "I dig the cubes, Michelle." Totally. At first, Dave yeah. was making fun of me. He's like, "What is going on here?" And I'm like, "You'll see." And when we got to you Disney did it World, for the kids too. No, just because I only borrowed Tootsie six, and they were mine. They were like bathing suits was one, shorts was the other. Underwear, gym clothes. It was amazing. All in like Then the end of the trip, spots. we put all the dirty stuff into one packing cube. So that way, yeah, just take, take the cube. And then right we'll the come laundry. to your house. You'll do the laundry. You'll fold it. Although I'm, oh, yeah. I'm a bit maniac when with it your comes gap, to laundry. With your gap board. I, I do try to do all my laundry before I leave any vacation. So I oh, come God. home with clean clothes. No, I come you home. You send it like, out? With I, the... I try to get it do done. It, get it figure done. It, figure it out. Yeah. I hate dirty clothes. Wait, this is a very funny thing. This is a funny it's thing. It's a pet peeve. By the way, it goes, so what I love is how it goes the whole way through. You're a good folder. You said at the very I like to do a call back like about do laundry. Yep. And your, and your brand, brand crush is pro yes. is, is something that requires. Yeah. And, and it's funny. I saw somebody recently post like, um, what's the name of that woman who does laundry? I'm like, who who would hire someone to do their laundry in my head? Like, right, I'm like, I love doing my laundry. You know what? I should, <laughs> by the way, that <laughs> might have been me that posted By the way, I should not say this on air right now, but I considered, Dave goes, you should do a business, which by the way, I obviously have no time. Say yes and say no to wrap other people's gifts. Yeah, because you're very good I'm a really good wrapper. I like to do it. In fact, yesterday I posted a picture on my Insta story of like before and after, like send help with like all the shit everywhere and then like the way it looked when it was done and I had like six different local people say can you come to my house and wrap all my stuff and I'm like imagine I add that to my roster of things to do no not happening but really smart and similar to Mm -hmm. another reason why we are so different correct my, I love to wrap, but I don't love Mine look like haphazard messes. <laughs> There's like rips. However, in a past life, I was a decoupage artist, which that actually is deconstructing the paper and then gluing it back together, mm-hmm. which actually makes a lot of sense for who I am as a human. <laughs> yeah, Marissa's the one that rips it all up and glues it together. Yes. And I'm the one that just makes it look and pretty. And I make it pretty. Which is my yes. superpower. Anyway, this was so lovely. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Here. I hope you got what you wanted out of, of it as well. Of course. I love it. Of course, it. we always do. We always do. Good. Thanks for being here. Thank you to Ming for having us. Thank Shared you, Ming. Go blue. I always got to get it in. <laughs>